0: Once again, I want to say welcome. Welcome to church. Uh, You showed up on a good day because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I believe God has you here for a reason. God wants to bless you. God wants to bring breakthrough into your life because God loves you. He is for you and not against you. If you believe it, come on, somebody say amen in the chat today. Say amen in the chat today. Amen. Well, we are in a series uh, called purpose and calling. We're, we've been talking about the various purposes and callings that God has uh, for each and every one of us in our lives. And uh, today. Uh, today we're going to talk about weakness and how God uh, has, has a purpose for weakness. So let's start off with today's word, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 10. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. This is God's word. And I do want to point out that this is Apostle Paul speaking. So this is not just, uh, you know, this is not just anybody, you know. Uh, And you can uh, hopefully you will see in a moment why this is, it's it's very insightful to know that this is Apostle Paul speaking. Uh, because he's not a person who is just a uh, spectator of Jesus. He's a real follower of Jesus. Uh, He's not somebody with no faith. He has great faith. And yet he's going to talk about the fact that he also has weaknesses. And I think that's good news for a lot of us because sometimes we have this conception that if you're a strong Christian, you don't have weaknesses. If you're a strong Christian, you don't go through hard times, bad things don't happen to you. But this is Apostle Paul, right? And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that if it happens to Apostle Paul, if he can have weaknesses too, then it's okay in a sense. What I'm saying is that we shouldn't be surprised and we shouldn't feel too bad. We shouldn't feel like we're weird or there's something really wrong with us just because we have weaknesses as Christians. Christians can be weak too, amen? In fact, that's in fact the reason Jesus came because we are weak. Amen. And we need Jesus every day. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Here is the word of God. Says, Paul says, I must go on utter on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except on my weaknesses. So let me tell you really quick, he's actually talking about himself. He's talking about himself here, but he's using, you know, he's speaking in a way uh, with, with a purpose. He's using his words in a certain way with a purpose, but he is talking about himself actually. Verse six, though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool for I would not be speaking the truth but for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from, from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me, right? He's saying, you think I'm awesome, you think I'm great, you think I'm the super Christian, I'm not, right? Don't give me too much credit. He's basically trying to say, it's not me, it's all Jesus. If anything good happens in me, through me, it is because of Jesus. If you're blessed through me, it's because of Jesus. So don't think of more of me than I really am. Am. Amen. You know, there's the saying, never meet your heroes, right? You ever heard that saying? It's like never meet your heroes. Like if you have a hero, if you meet them, what it means is that you'll be disappointed because you're like, oh, they're not as great as I thought. They're not as wonderful. They're not as perfect as I thought. You know, it's like, oh, you mean you're not happy all the time? You're not nice all the time? Oh my gosh, you're human, right? So that's what Paul's trying to say. He's like, yo, man, uh, don't give me more credit than I than I really deserve. Don't make me a hero. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Uh, Verse 7. So to keep me, so to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, right? What's he saying? Like, I get conceited. I have pride. A thorn thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness listen to that my power is made perfect in weakness see god takes weakness and turns it into an opportunity right to pour out his power hallelujah our weakness is an opportunity for god's power okay let's go on therefore paul says I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, right, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And all God's people said, amen amen let's pray real quick father we bless this word we bless this time we give this time to you as five loaves of bread and two fish we put this time we put this message into your hands we ask that you will bless it we need you we want you let your word come alive with power holy spirit holy spirit come holy spirit breathe on this message breathe upon us breathe your word into our lives and we will never be the same thank you and in jesus name we pray all god's people said amen somebody say word up in the chat you're excited for jesus hallelujah god is good god is good god is good all right weakness we're talking about weaknesses today and um Basically, what I'm going to try to say today is that normally as human beings, uh, we see weaknesses as a negative thing, as a negative thing. Uh, You ever see that in in an interview where, uh, you know, if you're trying to interview for a job Uh, I don't know if this happens in Korea, in the US, you know, uh, the interviewer will ask the interviewee, the person trying to get the job, he'll say, what are your strengths? And the guy will be like, oh yeah, my strengths are this, this, and this. And then they'll ask this question, what are your weaknesses? Right? And they have trained themselves to answer that way Answer that question in a way that makes them look good. Well, my weakness is that some people say I work too hard. (laughs) You know, I'm too much of a perfectionist. You know, I I'm too passionate. Right? They're they're trying to trying to kind of trying to judo move that, you know, the negative into a positive. You know, why do we do that? Because we we see weaknesses as a negative thing. We don't want weaknesses. We don't want people to see our weaknesses, right? You know, in fact, if you go on a date, the, the, the last thing you want to do is show the person your worst. You want to be on your best. You wear your best clothes, wear your best makeup, get your best haircut. You know, you're, you're trying to put on your best. That's why we call that the honeymoon season. Hallelujah. And then you get married, and about a, after a year, you wake up one morning and you're like, the honeymoon is over, right? And now you begin to see not just their strengths, but you begin to see their weaknesses. And why it, does it take so long for them to see their weaknesses, right? Because we're so good at hiding it sometimes, right? You know, that's not all the reasons. It's we were just happy and of course when you're happy the best comes out. But you know, there is this truth and reality that in in, uh, in this world and in the church, we're pretty good at hiding our weaknesses, right? You know, I say this all the time, but you know, growing up, not just for myself, but for a lot of people I that I knew or I still know, church was one of the scariest places. In the sense that you didn't really feel like you could be yourself at church, you didn't really feel like you—you—you—you you, you, you kind of feel like you had to meet a certain standard. You had to look a certain way, dress a certain way, have a—you know what I mean? You, you just—you just had to uh, have it all together. You know, uh, uh, I, I think it's—it's it's like the Korean Korean mom scenario. have you ever, have you ever had this happen, right? Your, your mom is mad at you she's so she's yelling, yeah, 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 right and then the phone rings you know this is of course this is back in the 80s and 90s when the phone used to ring <laughs> in the home right now it's like we have music that plays on our iPhones and stuff like that but the phone will ring yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right their voice completely changes Their attitude completely changes you know or you know a couple will be fighting in the car screaming at their wives, screaming at the other screaming at their kids Quiet, blah, blah, as soon as they get out in the, you know, they park in the church parking lot, they get out. It's like, hey, I say I say hello, right? Like, we're like the perfect little Christian family. And, and uh, all jokes aside, this is why we have a lot of Christians uh, who are burnt out, right? Because we're trying to be more than we really are. We're, trying, we're so worried about what people think of us. Uh, so many pastors, so many pastors are burning out, right? In fact, this past, you know, few years, I can't tell you. I don't know if it's because of the internet or what, but I've been hearing so, about so many pastors who are, who are, Taking their lives, right? They're taking their lives, right? They're ending their lives because they're just so burnt out emotionally and spiritually. Uh, marriages, you know, between a pastor and the, his wife, and there's how many the marriages that are crumbling and they just can't take it anymore, you know? Why? It's because they're, they're trying to keep up this facade. They feel like they, they cannot let people know that they're weak. They cannot show their weaknesses. They cannot show their weaknesses. You know, and uh, I remember when me and my wife first got married and we would get into fights and we'd get fights in in the church parking lot, you know, and uh, especially during, right? Early morning. I am not a morning person, ladies and gentlemen, right? You know, you know, you. If you, if you get me up before, you know, 8 a.m., be, be careful. Be careful because it's, it's, uh, it's not the happy Jimmy that you're going to get. And so this was like early morning prayer. You have to wake up at 4 a.m., you know, and go to church. So we're both sensitive. We get in a fight. We're in the car, and uh, we're, we're kind of like yelling at each other. And everybody's passing us by, like gypsy Names. And, you know, all these church people walking by. And, and my wife is like, people can see us. And I'm like, so what? I don't care if they can see us, you know, I'm not trying to hide anything. I, I don't, I'm not trying to be fake. I'm not trying to be more than I am. I'm not trying to, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to pretend like everything's okay. You know, so what if they see us, you know, fight a little bit, you know, so my wife was completely shot. That's what she was saying, you know, and of course there's wisdom. I mean, you don't want to just recklessly fight and yell in front of just anybody. Uh, but there was this, but the point was like, yeah, you know, we have such a, church culture, you know, uh, where people don't feel safe to be weak, you know. And again, I'm not saying you need to fight or cuss or yell in front of people, but look at Paul, you know. Paul is not telling us details, right? So what I'm saying is that you don't need to tell everybody all your junk. You don't need to tell everybody your details, right? But Paul is gladly, right? He is, he is so confidently telling people, I am not perfect, right we we call this being real he's being real i'm not perfect and i know it seems like that way, but it's because you only see me on certain days. You're not married to me. You don't live with me, right? You only see me outside. So of course, right? You're gonna get a good impression of me. You're only watching me when I preach. You're only watching all the testimonies and the healings and you see all that. But I'm telling you, man, I am not perfect, right? I want to say that too. I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect, right? So so Paul's gonna say, Don't be surprised when you get disappointed in me, when you get hurt by me, when you when you you know what I mean? When bad things happen because of me, it's because I am not perfect. But he delights, you know? He, he, he starts getting to this, he starts saying these crazy things where he says, I boast in my weakness. I boast in my weakness. Now, here's the reason why. We, right, will want to hide and we think weaknesses are bad. But Paul, he's like, this is a good thing, right? This is something I'm going to boast in. And here's why. Because Paul knows that God puts a purpose in weaknesses. Hallelujah. God can put a purpose in weakness. Now, weaknesses in itself is not a good thing, right? Don't don't, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say that sin is a good thing. I'm not trying to say that gossip is a good thing or impatience or getting mad or yelling at your wife is a good thing. That's a bad thing. Hallelujah. Gotta stop that. Gotta quit that, right? But ironically, it's actually how God, the way God uses weakness actually changes us and transforms us so we can overcome and stop those bad things. So here's the good news. God puts a purpose in. In weakness. Hallelujah. God puts a purpose. He puts a purpose in. He puts a purpose on weakness. Just like the Bible says, God uses all things together for good. God can use our weaknesses. So what kind of weaknesses, right, are you facing or dealing with today? Notice in today's scripture, Paul doesn't give us the details. And that's a great thing because if he said something specific, some of us might say, well, I don't have that. So my weakness maybe doesn't have a purpose. My weakness may be really bad. Maybe there's no grace for my weakness, right? But Paul says, no, whatever's a thorn in the flesh for you, whatever's a weakness for you, right? God's power, God's grace is sufficient for your thorn in the flesh, for your weakness, hallelujah. So what is it for you, right? It could be all kinds. Maybe you feel inadequate today. Maybe there's a mom who's feeling defeated today as a mom. You feel like you're not a very good mom, you're not doing a very good job as a mom, and you feel like you just don't have what it takes to be a mom, maybe a pastor, maybe some other pastors or Salmonims are watching today. I don't know why, but we, we we used to have a lot of Salmonims visit our church because they would be so burnt out and they would come and they would be refreshed and strengthened by the gospel and by the good news and by God's spirit. And so maybe that's you, maybe as a pastor or a leader of some kind, as a teacher, as a one teacher, you just. Feel Feel like, man, I'm just, I just don't feel like I'm enough. Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel uh, maybe emotionally, you feel, uh, you feel emotionally inadequate. You don't feel emotionally strong enough to handle your situation. Maybe you feel exhausted today. And there's this lie. Let me make it clear. There's this lie condemning you, say, well, if you had enough faith, if you were a strong Christian, you wouldn't be tired, you wouldn't be depressed, right? Christians can get depressed. Hallelujah right? Being a Christian doesn't mean perfection. It means that we're loved with a perfect love that helps us, that guides us, that strengthens us in our imperfections, right? Elijah got burnt out, right? Elijah, the great prophet, Elijah got so burnt out, and God's grace showed up to strengthen him and to help him and to encourage him when he was depressed. Maybe, Maybe that's you. Maybe loneliness. Maybe loneliness is your thorn in the flesh right now. Maybe rejection, is your weakness right now? Maybe uh maybe sin, right? The obvious one, sin. Maybe you've got a addiction, maybe there's a sin pattern you can't stop. There's something that, that you keep telling God, oh God, I'll stop this time. Oh God, forgive me, I'll stop this time, but you you just don't. So you feel guilty and shameful and sinful and, and you feel like, Man, you know, I'm so ashamed of this weakness. Maybe you feel lost today, you know, you're looking for uh Guidance. You know, you need to make a big decision in life and and you feel lost in your purpose, lost in your identity, lost in your decisions. Uh, Maybe you have a literal sickness today. Some people think that maybe that's what Paul was talking about here is that he had some kind of physical ailment or physical sickness. And uh, so maybe you have a handicap, you know, maybe a mental, emotional handicap uh, or physical sickness of some kind maybe maybe you feel like you're not smart enough maybe you, you, you maybe you know you're smart you just don't think you're smart enough you're not smart enough for the job that you're in right now you feel you feel like you lack the skill or the talent to to, to not only do your job or perhaps to reach your goals or to to fulfill God's calling or to reach your dreams all of these things right could be a weakness that God wants to, pour out his grace and power to encourage you about today all of these things God has a purpose for you amen Amen. God has a purpose can you say that in the chat God has a purpose for me right see here's the good news your thorn in the flesh right may not be the same as somebody else's thorn in the flesh right i think that's another reason why paul is not talking giving us details because sometimes we compare our weaknesses to one another and without knowing it right i'm like i have weaknesses but i don't my weaknesses are not as bad as that person's and we 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 unconsciously look down on other people and we feel more holier than other people just because of their thorn in the flesh because of their weaknesses right no the point is we all have weaknesses amen and that makes us all equal in the in the in in the face in front of god right? We, we tend to think that sin is more terrible than that sin. Whatever sin you have, right? Big or small, we all have a weakness. We all have a thorn in the flesh, which means that we are all equal. Amen? Nobody is better than anybody else in front of God. Amen? And so here's the good news. God can, God will, God does put a purpose in your weakness. And so today I want to highlight four, four purposes of weakness, right? God has four different kinds of purposes purposes for your weakness, right? Four ways that God can use weakness in your life for his glory, for his greater good, for your greater good. Amen. If you're excited for it, somebody say, preach, preach, preach it. Preach it. Preach it, preacher. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. Number one, first purpose that God uh, can use or do through weakness is that, number one, weakness teaches us to depend on God. Or let me say, weakness can teach us to depend on God more more and more and more, over and over and over again. Sometimes we trust God at one point, but then after everything's okay, we stop trusting God. Or maybe when we're a young Christian, we trust in God, we depend on God. But when we feel like we're older, we're stronger, we stop. No, no. Depending on God is a lifestyle that we need to live from the first day to our last day. Amen. Right? It's not about strong or weak Christians. In fact, the stronger Christian you are, The the sign that you're a strong Christian is that you depend on God more, right? Not less, but more. In fact, Jesus uh, even said that everything he did is because he depends and relies on the Father. So he was setting an example for us. And the Bible emphasizes a lot about this is the way we need to live our life as followers of Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, right? In other words, lean on God, do not lean on yourself, right? Lean on God, not on yourself. First Corinthians chapter 16 verse 11, it says, "Seek the Lord and His strength, right Seek the Lord and His strength and seek His presence continually. right? So God says, continually, Right? In Korean we say kezo, right? No, no mumcho, right? Don't mumcho, don't stop. Continually, right? Rely on God's strength. Depend on God's strength. Seek God's strength. Receive God's strength. Receive God's help. In other words, receive God's help. Seek God's help all the time. Amen. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. And then God said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. See, religion is about us living for God by our strength, by our power. God, I'll do this for you. I'll change for you, right? The gospel says, God, would you change me? God, would you help me? Hallelujah. In my weakness, may your power be made perfect. I cannot change myself. Now, I'm going to do my best right? I, knew, I will do my best. But you see, it's an attitude of faith. It's an attitude, right? Right? Dependency is an attitude of humility that says, even when I do do things, it's by the grace of God. Do you understand that? Even when I do do things, it's by the grace of God. See, somebody will say, well, you know, I have this house because I worked. I went to the job, I worked hard. And see, that dynamic slowly makes us believe that, well, this all happened because of me, right? When when God says, humble yourselves, depend on God continually, It means that I need to remind myself you know what I wouldn't even have a job if it were not for God hallelujah I wouldn't even have intelligence to work the job if not for God hallelujah I I wouldn't even be breathing right now if not for God hallelujah see everything is in him from him through him that's the attitude of dependency i cannot do anything and anything i i cannot do anything apart from jesus without god and anything i can do anything i do have it's all because of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And especially, and especially when I'm weak, especially when I'm facing something I cannot do. Maybe there's a sin you cannot overcome. Maybe there's a temptation you cannot stop that you cannot turn away from. In those times, God says, I will help you. Amen. I will pour, pour grace upon you. You know, we think that grace is basically just forgiveness, but the word grace actually means power right? Grace means power. How is grace power when it comes to sin? See, grace is power when it comes to sin because when God forgives you because of your sin, it gives you joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And when He forgives you and you have joy because of that, that joy becomes what? Strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, what is that strength for? To keep fighting against sin. To try again and then you fall again, but guess what? You're forgiven again, you receive grace, and grace becomes joy, and joy becomes strength. So grace is power to fight against sin, to keep trying, to keep pursuing God, and eventually through your perseverance, That perseverance, which is a grace from God, because we wouldn't have that perseverance without God anyways, right? Because it all was because of his grace, right? I kept going, why? Because of Jesus, because he kept forgiving me, keep giving me joy, keep giving me grace, keep giving me love, I kept going. And so through that perseverance, we finish the process and we overcome those things that we could not overcome. Somebody said, amen. Amen. Somebody say amen, right? Psalm 27, uh, sorry, sorry, Psalm 27. Chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. Amen. Right? Some people depend on circumstance, some people depend on people, but we depend on God. Right? So, So think about like the things that you need today, perhaps. Maybe you need encouragement. You know, this is one of my weaknesses. Like, I continually try to seek encouragement from people right? These are my chariots and horses, right? The things of this world, right? It's like if I preach and nobody encourages me, right? Like, oh, that was a good message. I feel discouraged. I feel very self-conscious, right? I feel very like, oh, was it good? Was it not good? Were people blessed? Not blessed? You, you know what I mean? I, I get into this really negative pattern, you know, and all of a sudden, I just, I just feel really down and I feel really negative. And it's like, oh, I need somebody to encourage me, right? And, uh, and two things that I've learned to do is, number one, Oh Lord, let, let me just depend on you. That if you encourage me, that is enough. So that's number one. That's what it means to depend on God. It's like God, you are all the encouragement that I need. But number two, because God's grace is sufficient for your weakness, do you know what I do also? I, I admit to God, I need somebody to encourage me, God. I need somebody to encourage me. Right? God, your 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 grace is so sufficient that you, 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 you help me, and you abide, and you say, okay, okay, here, here, let me send somebody to encourage you, right? And so, instead of trying to be the super Christian, say, oh, God's grace is enough, God's, God's encouragement is enough, all I need is God's encouragement, instead of doing that, I, I really humble myself and say, okay, God, could you please send somebody to encourage me today one more time, because I'm just not, I'm not strong enough, to depend on you alone. Do you see how deep this goes? Do you see how deep dependency on God goes? Right? Yes, I can depend on Him to be all the encouragement I need, but I also depend on Him when I can't depend on Him. It's like, oh, I know, God, you should be all that I need, but okay, I'm really weak, and I just humble myself, and I say, God, could you just send somebody? And you know what? He does. It's like I just get a text message or a cacao, say, oh, the message blessed me. It's like, okay, thank you, God. That was all you. Thank you, Lord, for for. You know, how do you say in Korean, like, like, I don't know how you would say that in English, right? You just kind of really, in English you would say, you threw a dog a bone, but I don't know how else you would say that. But you, you get what I'm saying. God is so good. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. So, 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 weakness can teach us to depend on God. What time is it? 2.51? That was only number one. That was only number one out of four. So let me speed this up real quick. Number two. Number two is weakness can help us to stay Humble weakness can help us to stay humble, right? So, uh, again, just to refresh, right? The passage we just read today, Paul said, "I was, you know, this this thorn in the flesh was because, you know, God was helping me to not get prideful." Why is that important? Because the Bible says God hates pride. God hates pride. Now, it's not just. It's not just the pride that we think of normally that God hates or God is speaking of. What he's talking about is self-righteous pride. Self-righteous pride, meaning I'm holy because of my good works, or I'm acceptable to God because of my good works, or I am better than other people because I don't sin like they sin. Now that's the kind of pride that God really hates. Read with this. Uh, read this with me. Luke 18 Verses 9-14, through 14, Luke 18, 9-14, through 14, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness, and they looked down on everyone else. Hallelujah, right? To those people, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, a Pharisee means in their day, it's like a holy person, right? Tax collector meant somebody who was a sinner. Verse 11, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. Amen. Who is it that God delights in? Who is it that God shows favor? Who is it that God can use? Not the people who think they are holy, but the people who know that they're not holy. Amen. The people who know that they're not holy. Are you Are you that person today, right? I used to go to church, right? And people would be like, you know, you, 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 you're a sinner. You got to stop doing this. And you got to stop doing that. You're sinners. And I was like, I know that, right? Like, I know I'm bad, right? Stop telling me I'm bad. That's why I came to church, because I needed help, because I know I'm bad, right? And God says, you know, if you know you're bad, right? Here's the good news. My grace is sufficient for you. I died on the cross for you. I died to wipe away your sins. You're the reason why I came. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Amen. And and God resists the proud. That's what the Bible says. God resists. He opposes the proud. The people says, I'm a good person. Uh, You know, God loves me because I'm good. God says, no, that's spiritual pride. God hates pride, but he takes delight in the humble. Hallelujah. And see, that's why Paul... Is not ashamed. He's like, God, I am weak. I am not perfect. I do keep failing. I keep falling short. But God, you have a purpose in my weakness. Hallelujah. God, your grace is sufficient for me. God, your glory will be seen through me, right? And you take delight in my humility when I come before you and I say, Yes, Lord, I'm not perfect. Yes, Lord, I fall short of your glory. Yes, Lord, I'm not better than anybody else. And God says, You're the man. You're the woman that I want to bless. You're the man. You're the woman that I want to lift up. Hallelujah. So for those of you who felt like you were like the bottom of the church because you were the most simple. No, no. In God's kingdom, you are exalted. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. He lifts up. He exalts those who humble themselves, right? So the people who should raise their hands in church shouldn't be the ones who are proud of their good works. No, it should be the ones that says, yes, I am a sinner loved by a wonderful God. Amen. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm a sinful person who is loved by a good, good father. So I raise my hands, not because I'm good. I raise my hands because he is good. Hallelujah. I don't raise my hands because of my good works. I raise my hands because he died on the cross for me, and he's continually pouring out his love on me, and every day I need his grace, and every day he gives me his grace, so I am celebrating Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what it says, right? Last week we looked at the verse, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The message version says celebrate God. Amen. Celebrate God all day and every day. We don't raise our hands because of us. We don't raise our hands because of I'm a good Christian. No, I raise my hands because whether I'm a good or bad Christian, no, it's God is good. Amen. God is good. Somebody praise the Lord. Somebody worship God. You need to know that God has called you as a worshiper and worship is powerful. Worship can change your life. God is going to invade your worship in a new and powerful way. In fact, maybe next week we'll talk about the purpose of worship. I don't know. I have that on my heart right now, but you need to know that you're a worshiper and it's not about you being a good Christian, bad Christian, lots of faithless little faith. No, we are worshipers because He loves us. Amen? Amen. God loves a worshiper. He loves you today. Come on, somebody say amen in the chat. Somebody say amen in chat. Number three, number three, weakness. Weakness helps us, right? Here's the purpose of weakness. Weakness helps us to realize how much God loves us, right? Weakness helps us to realize how much God really, truly, forever loves us. The Bible says, God is good, the Lord is good, and His mercy and His goodness and His love endures for ever and ever and ever and ever. You know what endures means? Endures means perseveres. Why would it have to persevere? Because we are going to give God a lot of reasons not to love us, right? We give God reasons every day to reject us, right? But His love doesn't stop. It endures through every single reason we give God to stop loving us. He pushes past through that and He says, I still love you. I still love you. I love you. When? Until when? 언제까지요? Forever. Oh, Yongwoni, okay. right Yongwoni, hey. 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 right forever his love endures forever romans 5 8 right it means that god never gets tired of loving you mm-hmm. wow wow man that just blessed me right there that mm-hmm. just popped into my head thank you holy spirit mm-hmm. god's trying to tell you he will never get tired his love endures, is patient, overcomes. His love endures forever. He will never get tired of loving you, blessing you, forgiving you, picking you up when you fall, right? God will never get tired of you. He will never get never get tired of your negativity. He will never never get tired of your pride. No, He's going to continue to love you, and He's going to love you into breakthrough. He's going to love you into change and transformation. Amen. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Come on, hear this message. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? Now, look at this. When we were at our worst, God demonstrated His greatest love, right? God demonstrated His greatest love when we gave our worst love, in a way, right? And it says, when we're giving God our worst love, He gave us His greatest love, right? So, in other words, if God loves you at your worst, if God can love you at your worst, what does that mean? He really does love you. Does that make sense? You know, there's some people, myself included, sometimes we think people love us only because they think we're good or, or they only keep seeing our good side. And you worry, like, what if they see my bad side? This is, this is a celebrity, you know, celebrity problem. A lot of celebrities have this problem. They have this emotional stress, right? Like, oh, everybody sees this image of me, but what if they find out the real me? And so they're scared to death, right, for people to, to see the real them, you know? And, uh... And so, the, 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 uh, it, you know, with that thinking, that means if, if people know the real you, right? And when, when I say the real you, what do we mean by that? like everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly? If they still love you, even after they see the good, bad, and ugly, how do you feel? Like, wow, I feel like they really do love me. You know, they really do love me, you know? Um, we might edit this out because, you know, I don't know if this is appropriate or not. Because these days everybody's kind of, you know, sensitive, and I realize, you know, there maybe there's things I need to stop joking about. But uh, like women with makeup, right? Is this bad? Hopefully, it's not bad. But we, some women with makeup, right? They wear makeup, and then they start dating a guy, and, and they, they may start worrying about what if he sees me without makeup and thinks I'm not really that pretty right but then one day he sees you without makeup and he says oh you're beautiful (laughs) right you're still beautiful you're so beautiful then right for the woman the girl like that she just feels more oh okay he really does think i'm beautiful right he really does think i'm pretty right right that's what i'm saying right god loves you like that right makeup off right just woke up in the morning breath stinks and he's like oh you're beautiful right you're beautiful how does that make you feel it makes you feel like you're really beautiful, right? It makes you feel like, oh, I must be really beautiful to Him, right? That's how God loves you. See, when, when we come to God in our weakness, right, the fact that we can come near God, He doesn't reject us. We come near God in our weakness and He still blesses us. We come to near God in our weakness and He doesn't turn us away. Instead, He holds us and hugs us and loves us and says, I'm still for you, still against you. What does that tell you? Wow. Every time that happens, Wow, God must really, really, truly love me. So that's why Paul says, I boast in weaknesses, man. Because weaknesses are an opportunity to experience more of God. Whoo, come on, somebody. Weaknesses are an opportunity, right? We think weaknesses are a liability, it's a limitation, right? It's a bad thing. No, weaknesses in God's grace, right? By God's love, He turns weakness into an opportunity for us to experience more of god amen so let me say this hebrews let me share this hebrews four sixteen says let us then approach god's throne of grace with confidence so that me so that we may receive what more mercy find more grace to help us in our time of need come on somebody god is telling you there's more amen he has more more than you can possibly think or imagine there's more of god for you today. Somebody said, God, give me more. I want more. Somebody say more. More in the chat. Put more in the chat. More, 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 more. There's more. There's more glory. There's more goodness. There's more of God. Come on, you ain't seen nothing yet. Number four. Number four, and I'll try to wrap this up quick. Number four, weakness. Weakness. Now, maybe this could be one of the best purposes or best ways that God uses weakness. Weakness makes God's glory more visible. It makes God's glory more visible, more obvious, right? Be like, oh yeah, that must be God's glory. It's kind of like that. First Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 28 says this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. That meant not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth. Now, Paul's not trying to put us down. What he's saying is that God didn't choose us. He didn't love us because we were great or we were good or we were perfect or we were the best of the best. It's not why God loves us, right? Not because we were the smartest, most influential, right? God doesn't love us based on those kinds of specs, right? Verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Amen. Right? So, you know, that's one of the things that if you read the Bible, which is so encouraging and exciting and and uh, maybe even perplexing. It's like, whoa, why does God do that? Right? That you constantly see that God... You know, God chooses people that that you think just are not qualified, right, to be used by God. He kind of chooses like, almost like the worst people, right? The the, the most worst people. It's like, why would you choose somebody like that, you know? Um, I I laughed because I was thinking of the show Money Heist you know, there's this character, he's the professor, he puts a team together to do this thing. And, we're, you know, I'm the, me and, me and El were like, why would you choose that person? They're ruining everything, right? They're so dumb. Why would you choose that person, right? They're ruining, they're, they're going to ruin the whole plan, right? And it's kind of like when you read the Bible, you're like, why would you choose people like that, God? Why would you choose, right? Why would you choose the foolish? Why would you choose the weak, right? Why would you choose the lowly? And part of it, I think, is because it just shows that when good things happen through them, it wasn't them. It's just that much more obvious, right? That when good things, powerful things happen through their life, oh, it really was God. The credit goes to God. It's obviously, obviously God, not them. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? You know, like, uh, I use this as an illustration. Uh, Like, take Samson, for example. Take Samson, for example, right? Like, if you know the story of Samson, right, uh, he was supernaturally imbued with power and strength that he could do crazy things, like he he could lift like you know uh, heavy things that were not humanly possible, right? He had this super strength that was just beyond human strength, right? So he was just super strong. Now, um, now what 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 did Samson look like? You know, this is where I have this question: what 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 do you think Samson looked like? You know, and one preacher you know, talked about this. So, so I think when we imagine what Samson looked like, what, what Samson looked like, uh, maybe it's, it's like this. So the first picture, maybe it's more like right here, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Look at these muscles, man, right? There's muscles that are so big right? He's got muscles that are so big that it just seems ridiculous. He's got muscles upon muscles, muscles where I didn't think muscles existed. But, right? If we, we, if we say, okay, let's imagine Samson, most of us maybe will imagine this because that's what, you know, that's what we saw in Sunday school. All the drawings of Samson were like big, strong muscles, right? Yeah. But what I want to say is, uh, what if? What if Samson didn't look like that? What if Samson looked more like this, right? What does it more, look more like? This guy, right? This second guy, right? Right? No muscles, right? He's he's he just looks like a normal guy, you know. In fact, he looks like a, a weakling, you know. It looks like you know I could just you know blow on him, he'd fall over. Hallelujah, <laughs> right? You can take the picture down. Now imagine this second guy, right? Imagine this sec- second guy, like lifting up. Buildings and gates, you know, lifting up cars, right? Imagine this guy, a guy that looks like this, like all weak and gangly, right? This, this normal looking dude, like lifting up cars, you know, throwing people, right? Doing all these crazy feats of strength, right? When you look at a guy like that, if he does those powerful things, what are you going to think? It's not him, Right? You're thinking, okay, it's not him. It's not his muscles. He doesn't have any, right? Right. Now, if somebody with a lot of muscles picks up a car, you're like, yeah, I can see where his power is. His power is in him. He has his power. He has strength. He has these muscles. It is him. But when the second guy lifts up a car, you're like, wait a second. There's something else going on, right? There's something else happening here, right? It's not him. I don't know why. See, that's what we should be as Christians. When people look at us, they should say, wait a second, I don't understand why they have that much joy. Hallelujah. I don't understand why they have that much peace. I don't know why they have that that much perseverance. I don't know why they have that much strength because when I look at them, right, I don't see where that power is. I don't see where their strength is. It must be something else. Amen. See, our weakness shows god's glory more obviously so that when good things powerful things wonderful things happen even when you change even when you transform people will say you know what i know this person i know i know that this 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 is not them it must be something else this must be god amen and not only does it make it obvious for other people it makes it more obvious to you right there's times when i catch myself and i say you know what man that was a good sermon I know I'm I'm this I'm this I'm this dude with the headband I'm not that guy I'm not the honest source I'm this guy and so if it was a good sermon it was all God right because I know myself I know what I see in the mirror every day I know my temper I know my worries I know my fears I know I stayed up until six in the morning worrying that I that I can't. You know, that I don't know how to preach, you know, and the message is gonna be bad. And if somebody says I was blessed by the message, praise the Lord. Let these gangly arms praise the Lord, right? Because obviously it was God, not me. Amen. Amen. See, some of you, the reason why you don't see God glory in your life is because you keep trying to hide it, you're trying to keep trying to live by your strength, you're trying to keep oh no, no, you don't have to be strong, ladies and gentlemen. See, God, God, God told me this. I don't need you to be strong. I want to be your strength, hallelujah. I don't need you to be strong. See, there's times when I'm like, gosh, oh goodness, Lord, like, man, I wish I was more patient. I wish I was more courageous. I wish I didn't worry the way I did. I wish I would stop stressing out, and God would say, look, that's okay. I don't need you to be strong, because in the times where you are weak, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna still bless. Good things are still gonna happen, and when they do, you're going to give me the glory. People are going to give me the glory. And you're going to know how much I love you. You know how much I'm for you and not against you. You're going to know that you just don't have to worry in the future because you'll be like, yeah, when I'm weak, I am strong. Hallelujah. That's what Paul is saying. When I'm weak, in other words, when I know that I'm weak, then I become strong because God's power, God's grace is my strength. Jesus is my strength. Amen. I'm not strong. He's strong. And I have him. So he's my strength. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody say, he's my strength, man. Somebody say, he's my strength. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So here's what I want to say in closing. Make the most of your weakness. Make the most of your weakness. Make the most of your weakness, right? See, weakness, your weakness can be a gateway to experiencing more of God's love, more of God's grace. You confess your sin. He forgives you. You say, God, I need help. He helps you. See, weakness is a gateway, right, to to experience God's goodness. And in fact, maybe he, all he'll say is, it's okay. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay, right? You know, and you're like, God, this, this, that, that, everything's going to be okay, right? And you experience this goodness, and you experience this love, right? But see, Some of us miss that opportunity. Why? Because we see weakness negatively. We want to hide it. We want to get rid of it as fast as we can. And instead of getting rid of it by God's Spirit, we try to get rid of it by our own strength. And that never really works out really well, right? And so make the most of it. Bring your weakness to God. Don't be ashamed. Don't try to hide it. Don't be, and and don't complain about it. Maybe some of you you complain about, like, oh God, you know, why won't you change me? Why won't this change, you know? And so you complain. No, no, no. Make the most of it, right? Bring your weakness bring your five bread and two fish. Bring it to Jesus. If the boy didn't bring it to Jesus, he would not have received the miracle, right? He's like, oh, this is too small. This is weak. No, bring your weakness. See what God will do. Amen? See what God will do. Mark 2.17 says this, and we'll end here. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, right? What's he saying, right? He's like, I didn't come for good people. I came for bad people. I didn't come for people who have it all together. I, have, I came for the people who, have, who don't have it all together. I didn't come because of people who have, Good marriages and perfect marriages. No, I, I came for pe- for couples who are fighting on the brink of divorce. Right? I, I didn't come for people who are not de- depressed. I came for the people who are depressed. Right? See, some of you, you feel so ashamed as Christians right now. And God wants to take your shame away. Right? You feel so ashamed. You see, you feel so defeated. You feel so disqualified. And in fact, what God's saying is, no, your 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 weakness qualifies you for my best. I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. Amen? Do you have a weakness? Your weakness is your qualification, right? To experience more of God. Thanks for joining us today. Joyful City Church is an international church located in Ilsan that exists to make an impact in Korea
1: and beyond. 소이퍼시티 교회는 일산에 위치한 국제교회로 한국과 전 영향력을 끼치기 위해 존재하는 교회입니다.
0: Our mission is to help everybody taste and see that God is good.
1: 저희의 미션은 모든 이들이 주님의 선하심을 맛보고 알도록 돕는 것입니다.
0: So, whether you are a Korean or a foreigner, there's a community at our church for you.
1: 여러분이 한국인이든 외국인이든 저희 교회에는 여러분을 위한 공동체가 있습니다.
0: We would love for you to come visit us and give us a chance to make you feel at home.
1: 그러니 오셔서 가족과 같은 공동체를 누려보세요.
0: For information about our service time and directions, visit our website at joyfulcity.org.
1: 예배 시간이나 주소 등더 많은 정보가 알고 싶으시다면 저희 웹사이트에서 확인하실 수 있습니다. 웹사이트 주소는 joyfulcity.org입니다.
0: Thanks again and hope to see you soon.
1: 다시 한번 감사드리고요 곧 만나뵐 수 있기를 바라요